0: Thank you. They've let, they let me out from behind the media desk. So I've been let out for one week only. So um, thank you, Paul, so much. That was... Um about the presence of God this morning and if you're watching online um, I really hope that you got a real sense of the presence of God this morning where you were sort of um, watching this morning we love um, just spending time in God's presence um, listening to God so uh, thank you for serving us really well um, really well this morning so I um, was joking with Paul this morning that um, this started as a five-minute talk, and then I thought, um, well, given the football starts at one o'clock, how close can I get to uh, how close can I get to one o'clock? So it's increased slightly in five minutes, um, but you'll please know we'll be well done by um, well well done before uh, one, in fact, um, hopefully sort of 15, 20 minutes or so. Um, I just wanted to say at the outset how good it is to be back um, together. I mean, some of us have had the sort of privilege of um, being here and sort of broadcasting live from here over the last few weeks, um, last few months, in fact. Um, But it really makes a difference having people here this morning. Um, So um, I hope you're really encouraged by that. Um, And if you're at home, we love you as well. Um, But we'd love to see you here with us. And um, there's going to be plenty of opportunities over the next few weeks ahead in terms of sort of gathering here and meeting with us this morning. Um, It's been really good as well, um, sort of getting out. We've um, just come back from a um, a break, um, and I know numbers of you have had some time off last week as well. We've had a lovely break in the Lake District and the Peak District last week, um, and just, I think, really got a sense of... um, really good to sort of get out, um get out into the open doors, spend some time with family. Um and I know some of you are starting to do that as well and um we got some really good time with family together, really good time with sort of four of us um but also with wider family as well and that was sort of really good. Um really good to see. Um, I was, in in sort of preparing, I was um, struck by that passage in Hebrews that talks about not giving up meeting together um, and encouraging one another. Um, and I want to encourage us to sort of To sort of really heed that, not give up meeting together, whether that's in one-to-ones or whether that's in small groups or whether that's here on a Sunday, but also encouraging one another. Um, I'm not going to embarrass that person, but um, I had a lovely text this week of someone that I've not spoken to for a few weeks um, who really reached out, just wanted to catch up check how I'm doing, check how the family's doing, saying that they're praying for me. And I was really, really encouraged by that. Um, So I think sort of if there's one thing that we can do or you can do or we can do this week, why not reach out to someone that you've not reached out to for a while, um, send them a text, pray for them, talk to them um, about sort of, talk to them about how they're doing um, because it really, really does make a difference. Um, That sort of passage in Hebrews about encouraging one another. So anyway, onto my message um, for this week. Um, so as Pete said, I have got the pleasure of continuing our um, series From the Ground Up. Um, and I was thinking a little bit about what it meant by From the Ground Up. Some of you will know that I've um, got a little bit of a, a little bit of green fingers um, in that I've been trying to grow some vegetables over the last few years. Um, rather partially successfully last year, put out potatoes and then found the fox got them after a few days because he decided to get into the the truck that I'd stored, Um, but it got me thinking about um, the importance of new growth and also the importance about regularly feeding ourselves on the things that help us to grow Um, and in doing that we then see fruit um, from that as a result. So this morning, I've titled the message, Building a Life of Purpose and Not Giving Up. Um, now, I've not got a huge amount of time, and this, um, this sort of message probably could be spread over multiple weeks. So it's going to be a little bit of a helicopter ride through. Um, I'm not going to go into lots of detail on sort of these different areas but an opportunity for us to delve into what it means to build a life of purpose and to not give up. And that sort of was quite struck by what Peter said this morning around, um, you know, if we're facing um, adversity, sort of um, really delving into God's presence. It sort of very much follows on with what I want to say this morning. So this morning, I'm going to talk through the book of Nehemiah. um, And it's been something that's been stirring in me for a good few weeks. Um, and I know that when I um, have something that I feel that God's given, it to, um, given me, I know I can't rush away. I know I need to grab onto it. So I've been sort of sitting on this for a few weeks, really. Um, and I also spoke a few weeks ago to Pete and Ruth um, a little bit around Nehemiah and feeling some things around it and interestingly Pete and Rayford also on that sort of same week also been reading Nehemiah as well so hopefully this um, well it's certainly feeling as though there's something in the book of Nehemiah um, which we're going to go into in a minute that hopefully for us this morning but also I'd really encourage you this week over the next few weeks to get into the book of Nehemiah it is so amazing there's so much truth in there Um, so um, such an opportunity for us to unpack um, and understand what, what the book of Nehemiah um, has for us. So I must admit, sort of Nehemiah wasn't a book that I've spent lots of time sort of looking into in the past, um, but there's so much richness in it, um, and definitely think there's um, an opportunity for us to learn a little bit, a little bit from that this morning. So so I'm not going to read through the whole book. We'd be here for a little bit of time if I was to go through all 13 chapters of Nehemiah. Um, But I do want to give a bit of a summary um, of Nehemiah, because I think it's going to set the context for what I want to say this morning. So a little bit around Nehemiah. We find Nehemiah um, in 445 445 BC. Um, For those of you who don't know, Nehemiah was a cupbearer. Um, to the king of Persia. Um, He wasn't a high-ranking official, but God had clearly put Nehemiah in a position where he had direct access to the king, and there's something there about what God's doing um, for Nehemiah. Not everyone in society at that time would have the same opportunity as Nehemiah to stand before the king and be that cupbearer for the king. We read right at the outset of Nehemiah 1 that Nehemiah has just been told that the walls and the gates of Jerusalem have been destroyed. Nehemiah's immediate response, if you read Nehemiah, is one of weeping, it's one of mourning, and then it quickly turns into prayer and fasting. Nehemiah is clearly carrying a heavy burden for the broken walls of Jerusalem, for what's happened in in Jerusalem at the time. And of course, Nehemiah recognised that having no walls meant no security, you know, open to everything that was happening, um, open to every sort of area around them. No walls meant no security, and no security meant no city and no city meant no temple and no temple meant no worship. So from a Nehemiah's perspective, he was, had such a heart for why it was important to rebuild the walls in, in Jerusalem. There was something tugging on Nehemiah's heart which he couldn't leave. And if you carry on reading through Nehemiah, what's described next is that Nehemiah puts himself before the king. He seeks favor from God. And he he asks um, God to give him favour with the king. So you see Nehemiah going before the king, and you see Nehemiah asking the king um, not just for permission to Jerusalem, but actually Nehemiah gets the um, timber that he needs to be able to rebuild the walls. So there's clearly favour on Nehemiah from the position that he was um, given um, previously. And then you see throughout Nehemiah, as we go through, the rebuilding of the walls that that Nehemiah sort of instigates. He gathers people from all around the provinces outside of Jerusalem to come and rebuild the walls. Um, And um, I I love the fact that there's clearly a sense here that there's a guy who's got some administration um, and some sense of organising people. There's a massive effort over 52 days to completely rebuild, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Um, and what we see is not just that the people were rebuilding the walls, but there was a real sense of, um, a real sense of doing that amongst adversity. So Niels is, um, um, Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls, and he's um, encouraging people to do that, but he's also got enemies every single day that are trying to trick, trying to lure him away from, um, and others from rebuilding the walls. And of course, none of that rebuilding was easy. We see, um, we see the labourers um, in Nehemiah in chapter four, that the strength of those, um, those labourers was dwindling. And what Nehemiah does is to build encouragement and reminds people that they're not on their own and gives them that sense of vision and purpose around what we're trying to do um, um, and reminding people they've got such an amazing God who's going before them and equipping them um, to, to rebuild those walls. And then right at the end, there's two things. They, so they finish the walls, they finish rebuilding the walls, and there's two things at the end which really struck me as I was reading Nehemiah. One of those is the dedication to worship. So you read in chapter 12 that the first thing that Nehemiah does is he appoints singers, and he appoints the worship leaders to basically bring people together and worship before God. Um, they get, they, it says in um, Nehemiah 12 that they went with gladness, thanksgiving um, and singing. And I think there's something there around, um, around that sort of opp- opportunity. Oh, I'm close to knocking over my water. Um, so the first response is um, the first response is with worship. The second response is he builds up leaders. Um, so you look at the rebuilding; they've completed the walls, and Nehemiah gathers the leaders from all around the provinces and brings them into Jerusalem to um, uh, to sort of essentially go um, and um, um, declare the sort of walls being completed. And there's something there of Nehemiah's heart in terms of um, in terms of leadership. So all throughout ne- all throughout Nehemiah, there's this sense of Nehemiah who has a tug um, about a tug in his heart about the walls being um, uh, walls being needing to be rebuilt. You see a guy that goes before the king um, who has anointing on him. You see a massive effort to rebuild the walls, um, and then you see this sort of worshiping and bringing together a people to celebrate what's been done. So what relevance does this have to us? So for those of you taking notes, there's four things that I wanted to um, briefly talk about this morning and apply some of Nehemiah to where we are, um, hopefully to where we are and sort of where um, we're going, sort of moving forward. So the first of those is that I feel that God wants um, us to have a heart tug again for the things that he's placing on our hearts Um, For some of you, that might be new things. There might be new things that God's going to be doing that's getting that heart tug. Um, For others, it might be a sense of, actually, there's a renewing of things that have happened before that God wants to remind you about those things and, um, and give you that sort of heart tug again. So let me ask you this morning, what is that heart tug that you're feeling from God? If you don't have one, Get before God and ask God to give you that sense of a heart tug. You know, for Nehemiah, his heart tug was rebuilding of the walls in Jerusalem. Now I'm not expecting that many of you are gonna have a heart tug for rebuilding walls, um, rebuilding walls locally, but there might be big things, there might be small things that God's doing amongst you, where He's tugging your heart on particular things. and don't I'd encourage you not to lose that. Um, you know get before God and talk about the things that, um, talk about the things that you've got that heart tug for. I want to give one very practical example um, of what it for me. So I was contacted a few months ago um, by the team that I went to Bolivia with um, 20, 20, over 20 years ago now, um, and um, we're very still very much in still in contact with them. Um, and there's certainly amongst us as a team um, something of a hug, uh, something of a tug for um, careful. <laughs> Something of a tug um, for South America and for Bolivia. Um, And 20 years on, it's really hard to shake that tug off. Um, There's a real sense of my heart, um, although I'm here and although we're in Essex, there's still a sense of a a heart tug to South America. Um, And we've been hearing recently about COVID um, and the impact that it's been having on South America. Um, And we've been getting sort of regular church updates of what's happening out there. Um, And to say it's devastating and um, heart-wrenching is probably an understatement. Um, They're now experiencing a third wave. Um, That's massively higher than the first two waves they have experiencing. They are seeing pastors and their families that are either being hospitalized or um, or unfortunately dying due to COVID. Their hospitals are collapsing um, and many are struggling to pay the hospital costs out there. And at the same time as all of that, there's a significant economic crisis that's going on in Bolivia at the moment. And it's not, I, I can't obviously get on a plane and go to Bolivia, but there is something in me that God is tugging on something that's helped making me think, actually, what can I do in a small way that's going to respond to that? And some of it will probably be prayer, and there may be some sort of small practical things, um, but there's definitely something in me that God's definitely doing that heart tug on me around, um, around that heart for Bolivia and sort of that links in, in, with the team's so i 'd love you to consider um, this morning sort of one thing that you feel you 've got a tug on, and it might be some big things like food poverty, it might be things about getting seeing people healed, it might be things about seeing families or relationships restored. but what is that heart tug thing that god 's um, got for you this morning and be encouraged that I I imagine that the thing that you've got a heart tug for, God's also got that same heart tug for. It's not as though our hearts are completely separated. You know, we have, our heart tug will often be the same, well, will be the same as the heart tug that God's got for for us. So number one, find that thing that God's got that heart tug for. Like Nehemiah had a heart tug for Jerusalem and rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem. What's that heart tug for um, thing that he's got for you? Number two is that, secondly, um, that that heart tug requires a proactive response from us. If you look at Nehemiah, his response to the direct, um, destruction of Jerusalem was weeping and prayer, um, and then it went to action. Um, and we hear in the message um, that he went obviously before the king of Persia and petitioned on behalf of Jerusalem to rebuild those walls. Uh, those walls. And I think there's some important lessons for us in here. First and foremost, a devotion to prayer. If you, if often for me, when I've got a heart tug, my immediate response is write a project plan, write a list of things to do, work out the sort of practical steps that we need to put in place, um, and what am I actually going to put? You know, what's the activity that I'm going to do? Um, but I, I sometimes forget that the first step needs to be go before God with the thing that he's got that heart tug for you on. Nehemiah commits his, um, commits his concerns to God. Um, and it wasn't that Nehemiah went to God with his solutions and his sort of project plan and here's the sort of practical steps that we need to do. Nehemiah, Nehemiah's first step was to go before God um, and to um, really commit um, his heart tug over, over to God. So in this, I'm talking as much of, much of myself as I'm sure I am to others, but we have to petition our, uh, uh, position ourselves towards prayer. And it's out of that place of being in God's presence and um, giving those heart tug things to Him that He will reveal solutions and He will reveal the sort of practical, the practical next steps um, from there. And it's from that place then that that means following up with action as a result. Read Nehemiah; he was shown favour by the king, and he didn't just. When he went before the king and the king gave him favour, he didn't go away and think, "Oh, that's really good. Um, you know, I've got favour from the king," and then he just goes back to being a cupbearer. There was a practical action that Nehemiah did as a result of going before the king, getting permission from the king to go to Jerusalem, and that sense of how are we going to, you know, how are we going to rebuild the walls as a result of that. So Nehemiah took some practical action as a result of going before God, going before the king, getting favour and then sort of going through in terms of rebuilding the walls. So number two, um, from that heart tug, what is, you know, let's get before God in terms of giving those things to God, devoting ourselves to prayer but also expecting that as a result, we need to take some practical action, um, such as Nehemiah did. And that might be small things, you know, my example around Bolivia, it's not necessarily going to be getting on a plane and going across to Bolivia, but there probably are some practical small things that I can do that will take some practical action as a result um, of, of that heart tug that God's, that God's given me. So, number two, get before God with prayer um, and, um, and look for that small practical action that we can take. Number three, checking that I'm getting close to one o'clock with the football. Um, number three is that we need to stand strong in the face of adversity and not be distracted by outside influences. So, what does it look like to stand strong in the face of adversity? So, of course, it is right that our focus and gaze should be first and foremost on God. We should be going before God with prayer. But let's be honest with each other. Whilst we are here on earth, we are expecting there to be spiritual warfare. And trust me, if we're actively pursuing the purposes of God, then we should be expecting challenges along the way. I remember a few years ago, a few years, quite a few years ago, um, when I was at university. Um, we um, did a lot of um, outreach in the university, on the university campus, um, and um, things like treasure hunting, actually, that we'd get together with students um, and do treasure hunting, and there was a real sense of um, just that sense of wanting to share um, the kingdom out, uh, um, out into the university. But what we realised is that actually, the more we steps we took, actually, that there was opposition, there was adversity to that. Um, and we needed, again, to get before God and commit that over to God. And we read through Nehemiah that the people, um, uh, we read through Nehemiah that he had people um, who were committed to disrupt his plans. So Nehemiah had these sort of big plans to rebuild the walls. um, But what it talks about in Nehemiah is that there were people that were plotting to um, disrupt Nehemiah's plans to rebuild the walls. They tried to lure him away to this place called Ono um, so that they could destroy him. And if you look at Nehemiah's response... Nehemiah's response was, "No, I'm not going to be distracted by that. I'm not going to be distracted by everything that you're trying to move me away from. I know what I need to focus on." Um, so, if you read Nehemiah, it talks about the people that were rebuilding the walls. In the one hand, in the one hand, they had their um, um, they had their tools to actually rebuild the walls, and in their other hand, they had sort of weapons to um, sort of face the enemy. And it's that that's that sense of we are pursuing the purpose. Is and the focus of God, but we're also recognizing that there is an enemy here that wants to disrupt us and wants to change us um, from, from the things that God's got for us. So Nehemiah wasn't distracted, he kept his sort of focus on God, he kept his focus on the things of God. And the same's true of us as well. In the things, in those heart-tug things that God's got for us, it's really important, A, that we recognize that there is we are in a spiritual battle. But um, it's really important to sort of remain committed on what we know God's got for us, um, but also getting that sense of going before God with everything. You know, God is so much more bigger than those that come to disrupt us, um, those that come to disrupt us as a result. So can I encourage you today to um, make sure that the thing that you've thought about, that heart tug, is really given um, a real focus for for you Um, you know, if I, was think, if I was talking to you about you know, that heart-tug thing, um, you know, does it reflect the things that you're focusing on in your day-to-day your week-by-week sort of life, and how much are we being distracted by those other things around us? So number three, recognise that we need to stand strong in the face of adversity and not be distracted by outside influences. Going before God, giving it to God and recognising that he is so much bigger than those other things, um, those other things that can come. And then finally, our response must be one of celebration and worship. Um, in the same way I've talked about prayer um, I've got a real sense, actually, as I was preparing the message for this morning, that God wants to take us um, deeper in a sense of worship with him. I mean, it's a really amazing um, to get that sense this morning of coming before God and just going before him and giving everything to him. But I really felt a sense that, actually, God wants to take us even deeper still in that sense of worship. Um, I was really struck by... Nehemiah in chapter 7 and chapter 12. It talks about, as I said before, the appointment of the singers, the appointment of um, those that were leading worship, Um, and it says in chapter 12 that the people came um, to the dedication of the walls with gladness, thanksgiving and singing. Um, I don't know about you, but one of the things I have missed about the last year is that sense of corporate worship times together. Um, I've spoken to a few people, not not here, but elsewhere, um, friends and things, and they've been saying, oh, it's been lovely to um, have worship online and do it over Zoom and other things. Um, and that's been great, and I'm definitely not knocking that at all. But there is something about being in the same place together and having a corporate sense of worship together you just can't get from doing that online. Um, and I know, obviously, we need to be safe, and you know, we can't fully open up at the moment. But my heart is... Coming back to, you know, when when we get the opportunity to fully open our doors, actually that sense of corporate worship times together. You know, you look at Nehemiah, he brings people from across the provinces together to come into Jerusalem to celebrate um, the awesomeness of God. And there's definitely something I've, I'm hopeful and looking forward to, where we get the opportunity to, you know, physically fling wide those doors or press the automatic <laughs> button that um, opens them up, um, and get a sense of being able to um, being able to worship worship again together. So number four is our our response. You know, must always be um, um, one of celebration and worship. And yes. That, for Nehemiah, that came at the point of when they'd rebuilt the walls. But I think, um, I think there's something for us in this of actually throughout this whole journey, giving that heart tug thing that God's got for you, going before him in worship and prayer um, and not just doing it always at the point of which, um, of which we've you know rebuilt our own walls, but thinking about actually how do we worship throughout, um, throughout the, things that he's, the things that he's got for us and as we go forward. So number four, our response must always be one of celebration and worship. So I want to close um, by saying a few things, um, reflecting back on what we've briefly spoken about this morning. I think there's a lot that we can learn from Nehemiah, um, but as I've said, I think there's four things that I felt God put um, his heart on this morning. Firstly, that there's people here or online. Um, God wants you to find that heart tug thing again this morning. He wants you to be reminded of what's on your heart, um, or what's on your heart is on his heart as well. And if you haven't got that heart tug thing, can I encourage you to get before him this morning, get, allow him to reveal those heart tug things that he wants to pull on your, pull for you this morning. Secondly, a reminder that our response has to always be a, firstly a, a, a response to prayer and devotion, and out of this will come that sort of um, that practical action. So let's be serious in um, let's be serious in praying together, getting alongside one another, you know, coming to the prayer meetings that we've got. Let's let's commit to um, um, focusing on um, focusing on prayer and coming to God with those heart tug things. Thirdly, that we should support each other in standing firm in the face of adversity. Going back to that sort of passage in Hebrews that I talked about right at the beginning, um, what does it look like to bring encouragement for one another when we're perhaps facing, the adverse, uh, facing adversity in those areas? And then finally, the importance of worship um, and what I felt that God is talking about around a fresh encounter in worship. So I want to finish with this this morning. It says in Nehemiah 12 verse 43 that the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. You look right at the end of um, Nehemiah, or a few chapters back, because actually what you see in Nehemiah is that ne- um, Nehemiah goes away and things actually deteriorate and go, deteriorate and go back to where they were but let 's leave that bit to one side for a minute. Um, what you see when the walls are rebuilt and there 's rejoicing and there 's celebration is that that real sense of joy and um, the joy of Jerusalem being heard far away. Can you imagine if you are in sort of the provinces um, at the time and you've heard about this massive rebuilding effort that's been done around Jerusalem and you're getting a sense of celebration and worship coming from, from Jerusalem? I want to replace that word Jerusalem this morning with another word this morning. What would it look like for the joy of Mark to be heard far away? What would it look like for the joy of Ruth to be heard far away? What would it look like for the joy of Maddie to be heard far and away? What would it look like for the joy of Martin to be heard heard far away? Broaden that out. What would it look like for the joy of Oasis to be heard far away? What would it look like for the joy of Chelmsford to be heard far away? I think that it really starts with that heart-tug things that he's got for you. Come before him, give him these heart-tug things, get before him, and you will see that joy flowing out as a result. Shall we stand together and I'll pray and ask Paul to come back and lead us in worship. Jesus, Jesus. Can I just encourage you to position yourself before God this morning? You know the things that I've been talking about about those heart tug things. Let's just give it a couple of moments to. You know, if you've got something in your heart this morning that you know God's tugging on on. Give that before God this morning, and if you're sitting there and thinking, "Actually, I can't find that heart tug thing," then just allow Him to reveal those things to you. You know, God has got that joy. Um, he's got that joy that's going to come. That joy that extends, as I said in that um, in Nehemiah, that extends beyond um, Jerusalem. He's got that for you as well. So, Father, we just want to give. We want to come before You this morning, God. Lord, we love you. Lord, we commit ourselves before you this morning. Lord, we thank you so much that what we've been hearing through Jeremiah, uh, through Nehemiah this morning, about the heart tug thing that he had for um, the rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem. Lord, you've got some of that for us this morning. Lord, we want to say, would you reveal those heart tug things that you've got for us? Lord, and we just come before you this morning in prayer, you know, as Nehemiah did, getting before you in prayer and um, coming before you, we give that to you this morning, Jesus. And God, we, um, you know, we, we come before you with these things, Lord Jesus, and we... We want to say, God, that we want to stand united together as a family in that face sometimes of worry or adversity, you know, of worry of being knocked off track. Lord Jesus, we we just want to say that we stand on your foundations this morning, Heavenly Father, not the foundations of the world. We stand on your foundations, Lord. You know, those foundations, that, as Martin said a few weeks ago, are unshakable. You know, we come before you this morning, Lord Jesus, and we, you know, we go in with expectation and we go in declaring that joy that Nehemiah saw um, in terms of rebuilding the walls, Lord Jesus. We make declarations over those heart-tug things this morning and say, you know, we declare, Lord Jesus, that those heart-tug things would, you know, would come to fruition, that there would be that sense of overflowing joy going out from here um, into other areas, Lord Jesus. And God, for us as Oasis as well, Lord Jesus, give us corporately those heart-tug things, Lord. And we, we declare, Lord Jesus, those things to, you know, to come to fruition and to see that joy of Oasis, you know, going beyond Chelmsford and going beyond into other areas, Lord Jesus. But God, it starts with you this morning, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Paul.